0: Coming to you from the red, white, and blue, you're now listening to the number one soccer podcast on the planet. This is the Box to Box Review Podcast, covering everything soccer, from the English Premier League, MLS, to the international game. Now, here's your hosts, Andrew Tucci and Lane Hector. All right, welcome back to Box to Box Review. I'm your host, Andrew Tucci. Lane will not be joining us tonight. Instead, I'm bringing on my good friend, Nate Roberts. Nate, how are you, man?
1: I'm doing well, man. It's good to be good today.
0: Yeah, thanks for coming on. Nate and I were watching the game together, actually, the USA-Mexico game. And so we will have probably very similar perspectives um, about the... Dos acero that took place Friday night. So yeah. First off, let's just go ahead and, you know, get some some feelings, some thoughts that were leading up into the game. What 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 were you feeling, you know, pre-game?
1: Yeah. You know, when you go into a game against Mexico in a World Cup qualifier, especially with where we were in the standings, right? Second in the table, um, you know, hadn't played, hadn't gotten results i think that the team would have hoped for thus far in qualifying have eked out a, a couple that uh they've shouldn't have lost um eked out a few that they should have won um and and just really hadn't played their best uh, and you could go through the litany litany of the reasons why that was whether it was selections or uh, coaching uh, but uh, yeah the anticipation for the game i was a little worried that our inexperienced in a world cup qualifier like this um, and mexico's experience and watching those two go back and forth for sure
0: yeah no i would i would definitely second that i was a little apprehensive at first i mean several people asked me what my kind of predictions for the game were going to be and i felt like you know we would get a draw best i mean, yeah. And if we did win, I thought maybe it would look like, you know, the other two wins we had against Mexico this summer, which were, you know, kind of scrappier, hard fought, yep. set piece goals, things of that nature. Not necessarily Dog like a, yeah, not a full domination. But boy was was I incorrect. Um so let's yeah, let's let's go ahead and get into the lineup. Um lineup comes out. You know, we were a little worried, at least I was, was Greg Berhalter gonna Try to change it up. Was he going to play some of the players that maybe weren't the flashiest? uh, Maybe not the players that everybody wanted to see. But instead, he gave us basically a first-choice lineup with what we had. We had Stefan and Goal, Anthony Robinson, Miles Robinson, Zimmerman, and Yedlin, back line. We had the Musa, McKinney, and Adams midfield. And then we had Aronson, Pepe, and Wea left to right up front. What were your thoughts when the lineup first came out?
1: Yeah, I remember looking over your shoulder uh, when you were, when it had just been revealed. I think I was just glad, honestly, that Greg didn't get too cute, uh, didn't uh, lay out a lot of options that were surprising or uh, guys with a lot of inexperience. Um, I mean, as much as I love Joe Scali, was glad that he went with Yedlin with the experience, figured he would. But uh, when I looked at, the 11 I was uh, I was content that that was probably our most experienced uh, 11 uh, or best 11 mm-hmm. uh, in combination with most experienced to go and to and to get three points honestly uh, it was fun to, to look at the top three and, or the front three and see that their speed was gonna trouble a, a, a pretty new pretty inexperienced Mexican back line um, I was glad with the Zimmerman. Robinson selection. Um, there's a, you know, Zimmerman's Zimmerman played fantastic um, in the game, but yeah, was, was pleased with this lineup compared to what I have experienced uh, in other lineup um, unveilings for and sure. some of the frustration of pieces being missing.
0: Yeah, for sure. No, definitely. I think, I mean, I, just last window, one of our, our big takeaways for was you know, did Greg Berhalter learn his lesson about choosing his, you know, full strength first choice lineup? And I think just from at least the Mexico game, it looks like he, you know, has, has learned his lesson for the most part. Um, playing the players that probably put us in the best position to win. Yeah, I was really pleased to see the lineup that came out. Uh, my biggest concerns probably had to do with DeAndre Yedlin. Very... Uh, shaky performances in the past but
1: yeah yeah against uh, Mexico
0: (laughs) yeah yeah exactly but uh he delivered he delivered big time and so we'll go ahead and get get into the the first half first half was you know not as necessarily cagey but it was there was a little bit of poking and prodding I don't think either side necessarily dominated I think we had probably the better game flow you know um i think mexico probably had the better chances you know the in the 12th minute edson alvarez had a a shot that was well saved by stefan and then the lozano chance in the 18th minute which was just beautiful soccer i mean as much as i Mm. dislike mexico it was i mean they carved us right up and there really wasn't much we could have done about it it was just really good intricate soccer um but that resulted in a Another great save by Zach Steffen. We had a few chances in the first half, nothing really as good as those two. But I felt like going into halftime, we were at least holding our own, if not starting to put the pressure on Mexico. Was that kind of your feel going into halftime?
1: Yeah, what I, what I saw a lot of in the first half was uh, the United States having a lot of ball possession, being able to connect passes through the midfield to the final third. Uh, but I think what with Pepe and Wea and Aronson uh, all being pretty young and, and trying to get into the game, to the flow of the game uh, as, as any uh, young, inex- inexperienced player might have in a World Cup qualifier against Mexico, uh, I just think it took time for us to uh, be dynamic in the final third. And you mm-hmm. can see... Uh, you know, without much possession, clear-cut possession, you saw Mexico's front three in the way that they are dynamic, in the way that they know uh, how to bring center backs out. I mean, Jimenez uh, was about as clear um, of what Jimenez does so well in bringing Zimmerman out from the back and, uh, you know, stepping on the ball and uh, allowing that ball to be slid through finally to uh Duke Lozano and he just did what David does. It was beautiful, and you could yeah. tell that they had uh, been the front three and, and uh, had certainly chemistry um, over multiple years of being on the national team. So that was the main difference. Was uh, one getting being able to possess the ball, which I think we did well, and grew into the game even in the last fifteen to twenty minutes of the first half. But recognizing that our front three uh, just does not have the time um, has not had the time to to really understand what it's like to go from and play Berhalter system where we possess in the midfield and uh, our dynamic in the final third. That's still where I think this team needs to grow in significant ways to get where it wants to be.
0: Yeah, I would wholeheartedly agree with that as well. I think kind of like what you were saying, Mexico's front three is pretty established, right? You know it's going to be Tecatito, Chucky Lozano, and Raul Jimenez. But I think for the U.S., Mostly due to probably injuries, you know, our front three has been rotated a lot over the past couple of years. Whether that's at center forward, or with Polisic being out or Reyna out now, you know, kind of like what you're saying, there's not a whole lot of camaraderie there. But kind of on the flip side, I would say our midfield, though it maybe lacks some of that cohesion and chemistry as opposed to Mexico's midfield, I would say our biggest advantage was maybe our youth maybe not necessarily inexperienced but just the youth in itself I think that's really where we dominated the game Um, and you could see that a little bit in the first half but certainly in the second half our midfield especially Musa and McKinney were you know running around all of the the Mexican midfielders so
1: yeah yeah I mean you look at you look at the MMA midfield, and we talked about it on Friday night. I mean, to think about that midfield going and uh, being healthy for the next decade of American soccer is a beautiful sight to uh, envision. And you know that that was that to me was class over anything else. I mean, despite their age, um, that was just quality technical ability in uh, technical hold up play you know adams was a little dicey in the early parts just settling into certain passing lanes and being able to, to put his foot on the ball and, and not be a little jumpy but uh, yeah. you could see as the game went on uh, their class like just their excellence on the ball the way that Musa could hold up the ball and continues to drive and um, and push the ball from mm-hmm. the middle third to the final third uh, by himself and to draw fouls and um, and to really to really boss a midfield that from a mexican standpoint it felt like the only person who was notable in the midfield uh, was Alvarez. And Alvarez is a fantastic player, but he plays in this holding role where above him, if he's not getting much help, it almost feels like him and Jimenez through the middle are the only places where they're going to connect through the middle. Uh, And so I think that was advantageous for our players, uh, for McKinney and Musa, to just be able to find the ball um and I I thought that you know Mexico I expected them to press early and press often um and they they didn't do a great job of that if that was the game plan yeah um but our our center backs were able to find our midfielders pretty darn easily um and again their class um was fun to watch
0: for sure for sure I think you know and this will be for years to come but just the overall ability of Eunice Musa and, and Weston McKinney as well, but I would say mostly Musa to take a ball on the turn on the dribble, beat players. It's, it's kind of a skill that is rare, at least in the U S perspective, right? Like how many midfielders have we had in the past 10 to 15 years who can take a ball in the midfield and beat players one V one, right. And open up a game and confidently dictate the midfield. And, I mean, I think, you know, we'll get to this later, but I think he might become, you know, one of our most important players in terms of just, hey, if we're going to go dominate a team, we need him in there because he's going to be able to connect play. He's going to be able to uh, blow by people, open the game up, whereas, you know, some of our other players don't necessarily have this those traits
1: yeah absolutely i mean he reminded me of jack real at 18 19 20 years old mm-hmm. uh, before his injuries i mean the dude could just take a ball on the half turn knew where guys were what seemed like 360 degrees around him yeah. and be able to turn on a turn on a dime uh see the field and if it was uh if it was taking 30 yards of space it was doing that and making the final the pass in the final third or it was taking it on the half turn and just being able to distribute it to uh, a winger or a wing back and, uh, and, and, releasing play that way. And uh, it was, it was beautiful to watch. And it's, that's just clean, uh, beautiful soccer. That's just the beautiful game.
0: Yeah, totally agree. I think, you know, last point on Musa, but there's this idea, right? If, if you can beat somebody in the midfield uh, as a midfielder, you're opening up the game a lot easier and a lot quicker Whereas, opposed to, you know, if you're having to try to pass around, pass through, if you can have somebody who can beat somebody 1v1 in the midfield, well, now you don't have to pass through because you already beat them, right? And so, I think just a trait like that is a huge blessing for our team. And, I mean, considering he came out of nowhere, right? I mean, (laughs) you know, he wasn't even really American. He was just born in the United States. It's kind of like a... (laughs) Just a, a blessing from God for this team, but um, <laughs> truly. Anyways, halftime comes and goes. Second half begins, and so does our utter domination of this game. Um, <laughs> I mean, after I saw a statistic, but it seemed like after the Lozano chance in the 18th minute, Mexico, I don't think had a single shot on goal, um, and you could you could tell by the way it was going. I mean, our midfield was flying around. Wea, who there were some question marks. Was it going to be Ariola over Wea? Because that's kind of a, a Greg Berhalter move to do. But Wea, I mean, for me, he was one of the, the men of the match. He dominated this game as well. Just destroying um, Chaka Rodriguez over and over again. Mexico's left back. And then, you know, we're starting to pick up steam. Second half, getting some chances. And then 69th minute, Christian Pulisic subs in. No surprise here. We were, you know, told that he wasn't going to be able to go a full 90, but it just seemed fitting, right, that Pulisic was going to come in when the game was nil-nil and make a difference. And I mean, that's exactly what happened. Musa, 74th minute, plays a ball out wide to Timothy Weah, who again just skins his defender and then plays just like narrowly angled cross right on top of the keeper and Pulisic is there to beat the center back head it home and it's just total euphoria yeah what What were your thoughts on the goal ah uh,
1: shoot yeah I mean coming on uh, I mean I'm willing to willing to call uh, this lineup from Berhalter and the changes that he made he, he somehow just seems to get it right in second halves uh, yeah. whether that is finally recognizing at halftime and understanding the game and understanding what needs to be done finally, or just motivating players to, uh, to step up and, and call them higher. Uh, but it was fun to watch. I mean, you're talking about 10 out of 11 goals, I think is the statistic, mm-hmm. uh, in the second half throughout this, uh, this qualifying process. And, uh, it showed in the determination showed in whether these guys were ready to go. And on the specific goal, one of the things I actually, when I rewatched it, uh, I watched, cause I don't know if you saw, um, Tata Martino coach from Mexico complain about uh, a handball somewhere. And when I first saw it, I was like, where could there have possibly been a handball in this? And there was actually about 15 to 20 seconds before the move starts. Um, I don't know if you remember but Walker Zimmerman takes the ball down on his like left elbow. He like throws a chicken wing out there, yeah. Um, and I and I replayed it, and like it's a it's a handball. Like he drops that he drops it down with his arm, uh, and it goes away. But because the angle uh, is so tight to the referee, he can't see it. Uh, so I thought that was so fascinating.
0: Interesting. But the,
1: the goal itself, uh, as it comes and and moves through the midfield and pushes out to. Uh to Tim Way. I mean, Way just takes Skyardo to, to school uh, as he had done multiple times um, at, at the left back position. Uh, but yeah, it was fantastic. I mean, you see the class of a guy like Christian Pulisic, right, coming on. Um, and and believe it or not, I think as I rewatched it and and have heard uh, different things, that was his first actual touch uh, of the game. Yeah, he I had that one that was kind of po- that was post whistle, but. I mean, to put yourself in that position, uh, that's just a guy knowing where to be in the box, and yeah. a guy having done that for years and years and years at a high level, um, and to be able to slip inside, take the header, and all he needs is a glancing header, uh, right. it looked so much easier than that is, mm-hmm. um, but poor marking uh, for Mexico, but had been had been seeing it all game develop in terms of the Mexican defense when yep. uh, the U.S. was able to get behind uh, an outside back or deeper than them. And and the Mexican back line was having to track backwards instead of us kind of playing, trying to play through the midfield and getting cute um, through the two center backs and and allowing them to just face up um, and keep the ball in front of them. But once we had, you know, significant chances, uh, whether it was robinson coming down um the left side or whether it was waya come down the right and Aronson, uh, we are we are so much better uh, when we get to the end line mm. and are able to bring yep. balls uh, across the back line and uh it was just beautiful i mean so so proud and so glad for yeah. christian to get that goal and, and really just get that goal for a for confidence sake and be able to step back in and uh clearly he was Clearly, he was expecting to score, uh, or, yeah. or uh, Timmy Way or DeAndre Edlin were expecting him to score because of the the shirt that they made for him. So right. that was a uh, uh, cherry on top of yeah. uh, just a, a wonderful move for the first goal.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, for those who don't understand what he's referencing by the shirt, essentially, Mexico's keeper, Memo Ochoa, came out in the press a couple of days before and had said something along the lines of, You know, Mexico is the mirror in which the United States wishes to see themselves. Um, And then Pulisic, when he scores, he has a shirt on underneath his jersey and he pulls it up and it says man in the mirror, which is just written in the the stars. Yeah, that's a bad man move. Uh, But (laughs) yeah, it was it was I mean, it must have been destiny. Um, Going back to the goal, though, for sure. There are a couple of narratives that I. That I saw here, obviously, like you mentioned, Mexico center backs. And we had mentioned this in the previous podcast, but they were down a couple of center backs, two through injury and then one through suspension. So they were playing two center backs who uh, did not have a lot of experience, one of whom was playing his first World Cup qualifier. And then another thing was I don't know if you noticed this, but when the ball came to Wea and then he put it in, Pepe had already made kind of like a uh, cut back towards the penalty marker, which drew yeah. that first center back closest away. It drew him to Pepe. And then all Pulisic had to do was enter that space that was just vacated and, and then make that glancing header, like you said. And so, you know, I don't know how many people saw it, but shout out Pepe for making that run. Um, Cause it definitely opened up that space, but yeah, yeah absolutely. post post yeah. first goal, you know, the domination continued. There was, I guess there was an incident that took place where essentially there was some more Mexico, how would you describe it? Uh, shenanigans. Shenanigans. to say yes. kindly.
1: Yeah. To say it kindly.
0: Yeah. And this is not Ante. an un, unusual phenomenon here, but yeah, there was basically Chaka Rodriguez had like kind of poked Aaronson's eyes, maybe- Intentionally, it sure looked intentionally, but again, no VAR, which is ridiculous. So, you know, it didn't get sent off, definitely would have been a red card, definitely would have just added insult to injury, but so be it. And then the second goal comes 85th minute, ball is pinged into Jesus Ferreira. Ferreira one times it to McKinney, who's running into the box. McKinney tries to play it right back to Ferreira, gets a really lucky bounce. Mexico defender essentially plays him in on goal and then McKinney just slots at home. And it was the magical Dos Acero at that point, the crowd, you could hear it going crazy, <laughs> chanting dosa I mean, I can only imagine what, you know, the atmosphere was like, it sounded really, uh, really great on TV, but
1: yeah. It sounded fantastic. Truly.
0: And that essentially is the timeline, the chronology of the game. Was there any, were there any incidents in the game that you would like to just point out or you want to go to some, some lessons learned.
1: Yeah. And I think the, the chance, um, Corona in the first half, uh, like that is it's, it's so fascinating to me because I think it highlighted for me in the moment, a greater uh, emphasis on watching Corona, um, against Robinson. Uh, and so, you know, Mexico's right forward, right winger against our left back and, and Corona's miss, um, kind of in the 30th minute mark. Uh, somewhere in there yeah but the the opportunity to take a ball um from a wide space uh, obviously in the air uh and to volley it from 10 yards uh seems seems like a very easy chance technically uh when you have a ball coming over the top it's just technically hard to do um to, to take a volley when the ball's spinning like mm-hmm. that but still still should have put it on frame uh in a game like this and and so, what it highlighted for me when I when I would watch Corona go uh, at Robinson uh, was this very clear difference to me in games that I've seen Corona play against the United States um, so for the last you know five six years. It seems like Corona has been a thorn in whoever is playing left back, and uh, it was so noticeable to me to watch Corona. I'm not sure if he was injured. I'm just not sure if he's uh, got a lot of confidence on the ball at this point with all the things that are going on with Porto. But he he looked like he wasn't ready to attack. Uh, whether, again, that was Robinson being there and, and uh, him just seeing the strength. But there was something in uh, Corona that he just didn't look ready to go. He didn't look ready to attack. He didn't look ready to be himself. He didn't look ready um, to kind of be the thorn that he has been for, for Mexico against the United States. And it was, it was clear to me in in that sense when I watched uh, Corona just step on the ball, honestly, sometimes uh, in the final third. And I was just, I was like, man, that's, that's, I don't know if that's a different level of respect uh, that he has for this back line or if it's just him uh, feeling a lack of confidence. And both could be possible. And, and forwards are uh, or, or can often be um, kind of moody in that way. And, and uh, when, when things aren't working for them, they just don't feel the confidence in themselves. But uh, it really did feel like Robinson, after misplacing a couple of early passes, mm-hmm. um, really just defended him well. So that was... Yeah. That was one theme throughout that I saw that at that moment in the 30th minute kind of highlighted for me.
0: Yeah, man. No, definitely right. I I I think Robinson, we've talked about this before, but he's come a long way. And I mean, you could just tell he was physically dominating Corona. Um, I mean, bigger than him and now faster than him, which is interesting because Tekatito has always been really fast. But I think that kind of underlines maybe um, this idea because, you know, I look at Hector Herrera. And normally he dominates us, right. Or Chucky Lozano and Lozano had a good chance, but I think maybe there's this kind of sense that, you know, they are not, you know, dominating. None of their dominant players are dominating us anymore. Uh, Whether that is Tecatito or Chuki Lozano or Raul Jimenez. I mean, Raul didn't really have much, right. He didn't do anything. And uh, Hector Herrera didn't do much. So, you know. Typically, those are the players that have, like you said, been a thorn in our side, but even more so just, you know, taking control of game, which I think speaks to this larger idea of we have come to equality with them, if not surpassed them, in terms of just technical ability, skill, uh, confidence, maybe it's the youth. I mean, I'm not sure, but none of their superstars had anything going for them this game
1: absolutely I think you are seeing the beginning of what I expect personally to be a a greater gulf in technical ability uh, and confidence uh, and and kind of a swagger honestly for lack of a better word that when you play week in and week out and you've got a dozen guys in the Champions League uh, or so and they're playing at the highest level and they're playing against world class players week in and week out like Frankly speaking, we've never had we've never had players who have come into Mexico games playing consistently against better opponents than Mexico, uh, yeah. and so w- when that happens as a player, you know it, you lose you lose the nerves, you lose uh, a lot of the feelings that honestly make make rivalry games intimidating. Uh, you know now it's like yeah you lose you lose all fear of Mexico, and when you're going up against you know. You know, Premier League forwards and Bundesliga forwards and, um, you know, you just you just aren't afraid. And so I think this is the beginning of what I believe to be uh, just a gap, a greater gap in in the confidence and the ability uh, of some of these guys. I mean, you watched Musa he was just playing like it was you know another stroll in the park and it was Street like ball. no no no, this is us mexico man like yeah. i kind of i'm kind of afraid that you're kind of just playing some of these balls willy-nilly uh in around. but he was just man he was on uh he was on one and uh just playing like he was playing a practice uh, at valencia yeah. and it was like wow that's a pretty good indicator that there's, there's no longer a fear for these Mexican players, for this Mexican establishment, for this Mexican team.
0: Totally, man. Totally. All right, let's 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 take a look at some biggest takeaways, maybe lessons learned. I think, you know, obviously we just said Mexico isn't really to be feared anymore. I've kind of mentioned earlier, you know, our, our youth seems to be our advantage. Just the ability to run, 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 run. I mean, it's just, it's nonstop and it's awesome. And then, you know, Musa, like we had mentioned, I think, you know, he might be one of the most, well, he's certainly one of the most unique players in our pool, but he might be becoming quickly one of the most indispensable players uh, that we have in our pool. And then just the way that he combines with our midfield, that Musa McKinney and Adams midfield, you know, I don't see anybody in the region certainly matching that midfield. What about you? What kind of, what kind of, takeaways or lessons you get from the game
1: yeah absolutely yeah you know I I was impressed with I I don't think there was anybody that disappointed me uh through their time on on the pitch uh, on Friday night I mean you know certain guys like Adams and uh, Robinson had early just kind of early struggles uh, but you, when you look at the breadth of of what these guys were able to do and what they were able to piece together, uh, it was just impressive. And I think about you know I think about positionally speaking, what positions have been more and more um, kind of locked up, if you will, or are getting there. Uh, I think guys like Robinson, um, Miles Robinson, and even Anthony Robinson uh, have just locked up what seems to be a left back and center back pairing that. And that just works and um, whether Robinson's at left center back or he's at right center back um i mean he's just he's played consistently well in an area that historically no one has played historically well in or consistently well in yeah. um and so i think that that's evident um and honestly I've, i have i kind of have two hot takes uh okay. going into coming from this game and one of them i think is not necessarily such a high take but such a hot take but i think unis musa has the highest ceiling of anybody uh that is in the american pool of players wow. um i think you look at him at 18 and you look at what he can do on the ball um i just think i mean even more than joe scally uh more than pulisic i just think that he has he has the ability to be a world-class player inside and out uh, to play in the Champions League year in and year out um, for a, a team that is, you know, one of the top 10 teams in the world. Um, yeah. And what what I continue to see from him at 18 years old continues to astound me in ways that um, I am not astounded by many other players on the United States team as good as they are. So, um, and then my, my second hot take uh, is that Gio Reyna is going to need to work hard to get back in this lineup uh and, and that is a that is probably the hotter take but when you watch him way of play and you watch the the ways that this lineup works the way that this formation works um this kind of four one double pivot uh in the midfield with musta and mckinney and then two pure out and out wingers and then a pure number nine uh and you know Reina is some, you know, some people would certainly agree that Reyna is a better is better inside, um, kind of in that uh, in the number ten role. But I think if Greg has done what he's done in the past and keeps him on the wing, um, I think Timothy Weah is going to give him uh, a run for his money to start in this team. Mm. If Timothy Weah continues to play well, uh, I mean, what the growth that I've seen from way over the past two or three years uh, and the maturity that I've seen on the ball. I mean, yes. Tim way 2 two, three, two, three years ago was, uh, probably the same, uh, you know, it's in terms of pace, probably equal to what he is now, yeah. but the level of control of his body, the level of uh, ability and confidence to take guys on one V one, uh, is, was impressive to me. Uh, and, and I don't get a chance to, I don't get a chance to watch League 1 and watch Lil play every week and watch Tim a play every week. But what I saw was a player who had matured uh, to the point where he should be starting and can be starting in a top five league week in and week out. And mm. um, and I don't necessarily know if Reyna gives you that specifically on the wing. Um, yeah. and it gives you the pace and the ability to break guys down 1v1 uh, with pace and if that's the way that greg is going to play yeah. um, and he's not necessarily going to play with a single number 10 um, you know does he take moose's role like right. that's going to be difficult does he take away role as a pure winger that's going to be difficult um and so as good as giorena is and as high of a ceiling as giorena has um it's coming off of what is what has been really aggravating injury for him it's yeah. going to be tough
0: yeah, man. Man, that's a great point. Kind of like what you're saying. It seems like our wingers have turned more into out and out wingers, right? I mean, way and Aronson are just kind of burners. Um, and obviously they're more than that. And, and like you were saying, you know, Wea was just a couple of years ago, really raw. Like you were saying it has a lot of pace, but it does seem like he's refined it, brought it down. He's become more technical or at least more controlled with his technical ability. But, you know, Reyna is not that kind of that kind of winger, like you're saying. And so is there even like a a natural position for him in our team with the way that we're playing? It's a great question. And then just to hit back on your Musa take, I mean, I I wholeheartedly agree that he has the ability to be playing, you know, top five, top ten team in the world. Um, but it just seems like, you know, based off of his club situation, they just have Valencia they're not playing him correctly. And, you know, all the statistics, he's like one of the, you know, bottom tier wingers in La Liga because he's not a winger, you know, and they've been using him in this like way. And we just watch him tear up teams in the midfield when he's with us. And it's like, man, what kind of team would watch that and be like, nah, let's play him out of position, you know? And so I think a big thing for him is, You know, does Valencia start playing him correctly? And if not, can he go somewhere where he can thrive like he does for our national team? So, you know, definitely interesting. But I I would agree with your take. Um, And then, you know, just to reiterate, you know, a lot of our depth has just proven its value, right? I mean, you would have thought ahead of time if Pulisic and Reyna are both fully fit you know, that they're the starters, right? You would think that. And then you'd say, okay, Weya and Aaron Sen are probably backups. And you look at it, just like what you were saying, man, these guys have made a real case to be starters, even when everybody is fully fit. I mean, just what they offer, you know, their unique skill sets. And then alongside of that, just, you know, our center back depth, no Aaron Long, no John Brooks. Walker Zimmerman Robinson. and yeah. Robinson. Yeah. Are showing out. And so, you know, it seems like our depth is just getting there and proving itself more and more. And then, you know, my last takeaway is Zach Steffen has either made himself the favorite from this game or at the very least he is on equal playing terms with Matt Turner. And, Ooh. you know, based off of where comments today, this is we're recording on Monday and Jamaica's tomorrow. Uh, Stefan is starting the Jamaica game. So it does seem like maybe Stefan is the favorite. Um, You know, I didn't think that going into this window either.
1: Yeah. Me neither for sure. Yeah. I certainly expected them to at least split uh, and would not have been surprised if, uh, if Turner certainly started the Mexico game. That's what was my prediction early on is that you'd see, Turner, Turner in the Mexico game, and you see uh, Zach in the Jamaica game being able to possess the ball more. I did not think we'd have fifty percent possession uh, against Mexico in yeah. a game like this, but um, you know, you saw you saw his his bet per se pay off, and for sure, and you saw that you saw that Zach Stefan continues to have an ability to uh, to be a be a solid shot stopper, uh, and and so saw that on. Uh, Alvarez's chance, he saw that on Lozano's chance, he saw that uh, multiple times throughout the night. So, yeah, it's not going to stop being a controversy, uh, but the fact that Greg is willing to uh, trot out Zach Steffen twice in both of these games is a pretty good indicator. Uh, should be a pretty good indicator uh, that he's not messing around. And he, he seems like he wants a number one goalkeeper, which um, is... Is going to be frustrating for uh, for Matt Turner's camp, and I would be frustrated about Matt Turner because yeah. I mean the dude just hasn't done anything to lose the job, right? Um, and uh, and so yeah, that'll be one thing to watch as we move forward in this qualifying cycle, and as we move forward towards Qatar in twenty
0: twenty two. Yeah, totally. All right, uh, let's get a couple of quick winners from this game. I mean, I've already mentioned. You know, some of the players Weya, the midfield. I think Pulisic, though he scored, the goal is a winner. Not for that reason, though. I think the fact that teams can no longer game plan for just Pulisic means that he himself is going to become a winner, essentially just by the fault that he's not going to be double teamed, kicked around. He'll probably still get kicked around, but the fact that, you know, there's more to our team, at least an attacking sense, than just Christian Pulisic. Uh, it's got to be an encouraging sight for him and Greg Berhalter as well. So absolutely,
1: yeah. I mean, there were there were so many winners, I think, in this group, and, and you're totally right about Pulisic. Yeah, one just I, I think as a player, when especially Pulisic coming in at 17 years old uh, in the last cycle where they didn't qualify yeah. for the World Cup. I think he he's fe- he's felt he's had to have felt as a player and as the face of this program, as the face of this country's soccer program, uh, a weight on his shoulders that uh, the only thing that's going to loosen that uh, is a team around him that is being productive and is stepping up in ways that he doesn't feel the weight of needing to step up game in and game out in this team. And uh, yeah, I think you're spot on with. There's just the fact that it's going to allow him to, um, to just play looser and to play more uh, as he does, and, and getting into certain things like that. And I just think you watch him. I mean, the the t shirt is uh, another indicator just of old. the level of respo- the level of responsibility that he feels. Not necessarily burdensome, but just yeah. the level of pride and and, and uh, whether he is he, he has the captain's armband or not. Um, he is going to fight for this team and be proud of this team, whether he does it from, uh, you know, does it from inside the box or does it, uh, you know, on a, on a microphone and in the, in the press conference room. So yeah. I, I just think, uh, yeah, it, it was so encouraging for so many reasons to watch him, uh, succeed. Yeah. Uh, a couple winners for me, uh, I'll go with the town first, man. Cincinnati just mm. showed out. Uh, and to, to think about Columbus being a fortress and a fortress that it has been uh, and to see another city granted in the same state and probably some of the same fans that came down from Columbus, but uh, Cincinnati absolutely was rocking for 90 minutes. And uh, I mean, I don't know if uh, if our listeners uh, haven't heard the national anthem. I know we didn't get a chance to listen to it in full on Friday night, but uh, listening to it over the past couple of days, it was un real yeah um listening to you know tens of thousands uh, of fans singing the national anthem at the beginning of the game was unreal uh chills you will get as you watch it but i just thought that that was a huge win for the city huge win for that uh, somewhat newer soccer town soccer specific stadium definitely uh, it was cincinnati fc coming in so i thought that was a huge win uh, honestly, I'll, I'll go to our second goal scorer and go to Weston McKinney in the sense that you know I, I just think after uh, getting sent home, uh, you know sent back from camp uh, last camp, and a lot of people doubting uh, man just maturity and a lot of people doubting uh, ability to focus and ability to prioritize the men's national team. Uh, mm. I just think it was a it was an important showing uh, and the goal uh, as a as an indicator of how well he played and how focused he was and being able to get into certain uh, final third scenarios and open spaces was just huge for him. Um, and, and I could, I think you kind of saw it. You know, he wasn't at the end of the game and even in the goal celebration, you know, like wasn't, it didn't go nuts. Uh, but just think, I, I think he knew what he needed to do. I think he knew what performance he needed to have in a game like this. Um, and, and I think, you know, he kind of regained uh, I guess a trust, maybe not that was lost, but that was uh, uneasy with, uh, with the fan base and, uh, and maybe even with his own team. And so I just thought it was a, it was a great way. I mean, in a game of soccer, there's, there are a few better ways to, uh, go about leading and stepping up than scoring a goal, uh, and important. One. So I was, I was really proud uh, to see Weston McKinney go about his business, the way he did, it was a professional performance, um, from Weston.
0: Definitely. Uh, great. And then
1: third one, uh, man, Greg Berhalter. Uh, and this is a personal one for me. Mm. I've been, uh, up and down on, uh, on Greg for, you know, honestly, since he came in and uh, obviously having the MLS background that, um, you know, some people love, some people don't. And, uh, a lot of the, you know, decisions and certain qualifiers, I mean, certain lineups that he put out in the uh, away qualifiers in this cycle have just been, um, I just don't get him, uh, and what he showed tonight was finally an ability to uh, depend on his best eleven, coach his best eleven, uh, and I've just seen more and more of a growth from uh, the respect that I think his players have for him. Uh, and you know, who knows? You know, I don't think he's the, he's the perfect coach, um, but uh, he's certainly not. Um, a bad coach, and uh, I'm excited to see as he learns his players, as he learns uh, certain formations and certain systems that really do work for this team, for these players, uh, and he's, as these players become more consistent, I think uh, I think you'll see a really fun product and really good product moving forward. So, those are my three winners: and Cincinnati, uh, Mr. Weston McKinney, and Greg Berhalter.
0: And I love that. For sure. You know, I was just going to say, I think this was a redeeming game for Greg Berhalter. You know, obviously we won against Mexico twice this summer, but it just, it was different tonight. And, you know, I think you can't really chalk it up to just luck or athleticism or, you know, individual performances or this weekend. I mean, Berhalter has to get some credit here. And like, like I said earlier, I think he's started to learn, you know, he's a young coach, like you were saying, and just like a player learns, he's learning as well. Hopefully he just continues to progress as a coach, as a manager uh, with his selection and everything. And so, yeah, great shot there. Let's, let's do some questions here um, that we got from some of our listeners. Um, This first one, what do you think the ceiling is for the United States men's national team?
1: That is a, that is a fantastic question. And a complex one in the sense that you have, right. You have the the majority of players in this kind of 18 to 26 year old window. Um, and so for, for the national team, that that includes what we saw on the field on Friday night and Pulisic and Reyna if you want to, I mean, they, they should be in the top 10 in the FIFA rankings, top 10 team in the world. Yep. That's their ceiling, uh, that echelon of teams, uh, no doubt. And you have enough guys playing at high enough levels um, and, and getting consistent playing time in Europe, but that is, um, that's accessible to us. And, and it's not something that we should look at the FIFA rankings and being like, oh, we're in the top 10 against these traditional powerhouses and think we don't belong. Like, right. this is that, that is the arena to which... And the standard to which we should see ourselves uh, that is the mirror that we should see <laughs> ourselves uh, in light of but i think from a from a world cup perspective you're asking me like hey what's how far can this team go in a world cup i think when you talk about 2022 uh you know this team this team should expect to get out of the group uh, they, they yep. should expect to advance one to two rounds in uh, in the tournament and so I don't expect them to be, uh, kind of a final four team, but I do expect them, uh, to get into, you know, the round of 16 and, or the quarterfinals, uh, like that should be, um, the bar that this team sets for itself is nothing less than, um, getting out of the group and winning at least one game, uh, in, uh, in the 22, 2022 world cup and when when you dream about the 2026 world cup as a ceiling uh like i don't think it is i don't think it is crazy uh to see some of the 16 17 18 year old talent that we have coming through uh in terms of dual nationals in terms of united states nationals i don't think it is uh i don't think it is a pipe dream uh, i truly do believe that in the 2026 world cup uh if you see the development continue i just don't believe uh that the world cup title is out of reach like i just don't like I, and i don't yeah. think that's just this pipe dream that that is uh out there uh i mean this totally. is like being Belgi- what belgium is now um like that can be us in in mm-hmm. five six years yeah um, and, and i firmly believe that so yeah. if, if the ceiling right now for belgium uh is the world cup final which it absolutely is definitely in six years like. That should be our ceiling.
0: man, that's a great analogy. I love that. yeah. And the like you were saying the talent that's coming through outside of what we have been seeing recently, right there's a lot of players underneath, a lot of younger players um that so people, many. people will come to know soon and it's just going to make it even more interesting. But yeah, like you were saying, in terms of the the here and now, you know we've got we've got to be the kings of this region. Right. You know, gone are the days or at least they should be gone where, you know, we fear anybody in this region, home or away. Um, I think even, you know, you think about playing in the Azteca, you know, Mexico City. The perspective is, you know, if you can man, if you can just survive and maybe get a point, you know, you're doing well in Azteca. Well, now, you know, if we're going to really. Raise expectations. You know, we should be looking to get three points from Mexico in Mexico City at the Azteca. And so I think that's a, a really practical ceiling for the US right now. And then, you know, like you were saying, next World Cup, a quarterfinal would be amazing. Um, certainly, at least making it out of the group stage. You know, definitely agree there. Kind of leads us to our next question, though. What happens when we are fully healthy? Are there players that you personally would want to add to the current mix? Current mix as in players that we saw this camp.
1: Yeah, I mean, when you when you look at a 23 that all healthy Greg is going to have to take to Qatar in 2022, like he's going to have to make some tough choices. Mm. And what's interesting is he's going to have to make some tough choices, I think, with people, with players that have been some of his favorites um yeah. guys like legit and guys like acosta um like when you when you see Bucio continuing to uh, start and star for venezia in Serie A, um when you see guys uh, like scally giving the right, right back position a ton of depth um yeah. behind dest um and just a, dy- a dynamic um opportunity there on the right side um, you know, what, what happens when we're fully healthy? Yeah. Um, I mean, we, we are a world-class team. Yeah. Uh, mm. and, and I don't know necessarily if there are players that I'm trying to think of players that aren't necessarily on the radar of the current mix. I mean, I think about Cameron Carter Vickers, I think he has a huge upside. Um, I think he is a strong center back that has played against um, some impressive players competition over the past few years uh, with yep. Bournemouth in the championship and now Celtic. Um, I've I've always been a fan of him, watching him play. Uh, he's a little bit shorter, but he's stockier. He's fast. Mm. Um, and and so that's one of them. I mean, Chris Richards, um, I, I've just watched him uh, develop a little bit at Bayern. Watched him go on loan spells to Hoffenheim and start day, week in and week out and uh, I've been one of their better players. And and so, you know, I don't know if there's anybody that Greg, I mean, Greg has called in, what, 35 plus players uh, over it. the past two years. And, and so I don't necessarily know if there's somebody fully outside of his scope or somebody that I haven't seen. I mean, there are a couple of young studs. Guys like Justin Che and, uh, you know, some of the guys in the U-20 and U-17 teams, yeah. you know, I'd love to see guys like Cade Cowell and Caden Clark, Caden but Clark, yeah. rec- recognize that those guys are, are still just incredibly young um, and incredibly young in the MLS and, and uh, taking their first steps uh, across the pond in Europe. So sure. I don't really know if I've got a player off the top of my head who I would say, hey, uh, Greg, you need to make sure you give him looks because you haven't given him looks, and you haven't given him mm-hmm. an opportunity to, um, you know, get on the field. I think Cameron carter rickers is is one of the main guys that I might say I would have said Scally if, yeah. if Greg didn't call exactly. him in this window, but um, but he he finally did. Um, it would have been a, an absolute sin to to not call him in this window. I mean, he's been he's got the most minutes of any U.S. player in a top five league in Europe, and you know you just he's got to be in there and so yeah. what's what's fun is that again in a 23-man roster and you've got basically every position and a backup at every position uh man that's that's fun to think about mm. to dream up a, a 23-man roster right now for guitar
0: right totally totally yeah i think i think there's going to be some difficult choices coming up obviously this is a hypothetical scenario where we're fully healthy and that it's never happened. So, um, but yeah, I think, I think the the normal answer here would have been Joe Scally. Obviously he got called up, didn't suit up for the Mexico game. He, sounds like he's not going to start tomorrow per Greg Berhalter, but he may come in. So I guess maybe from a perspective there, I'd like to see him get minutes. Um, I'd like to see maybe Luca De La Torre get some more minutes. Uh, Bucio gets more minutes, but yeah, like you're saying, there's, there are a lot of players that have been called in, not a whole lot that are on the periphery other than just some of the youngest prospects who maybe aren't ready, but yeah, I would like to see some, some of our players get more minutes just outside of, you know, your typical legit Acosta, Roldan, Ariola types. Cause you know, we, we know kind of what they provide and there's some players that have been called in that we don't necessarily know. Last question here for uh, before we do a little bit of preview for the next game and then head out. But real quick, who would you say is the most important player for this team at the moment?
1: I know Taylor Twelman's gonna gonna love me for this response. He'll probably never hear it, but he'll probably love me for it. Yeah, I just That'd think be, it's Tyler Adams. Be great yeah. if you heard it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that means uh, you're a big
1: shout out, this man, Taylor Twelman. Right, but uh, now nah, he he uh, has. the past few games especially when greg took him out of the six role took him out of a holding midfield role and put him at right back and just how badly that goes and and so you know in terms of what person is most important in the specific position that he plays uh it's tyler adams i mean to think about the backup option that you have Mm -hmm. uh, i mean acosta hasn't been bad uh he's been inconsistent certainly. Uh, to say the least, but you know the what what Tyler Adams can do to drop into our back line to provide stability to younger, less experienced center backs um, to be able to defend as a second defender. I mean, I watched him support uh, Yedlin multiple times. I watched him support Robinson a yeah. time or two in the game against Mexico. I mean, he can he can do a ton, and uh, despite you know certain display passes. He's rarely he's rarely behind the ball, uh, in the sense that he's rarely tracking back to try to get behind yeah. the ball. Um, and when he is able to stay um, facing the ball and, and watching other midfielders um, try to possess through, I mean, he's just a menace. And so there's no other person in my mind that means as much to this team as Tyler Adams.
0: Man, I love that. Yeah, totally agree. He's kind of our American Ngolo Kante of sorts, you know, not maybe obviously really? not that kind of world class ability yet. I don't know. He might be someday, but he's similar, similar role, similar abilities uh, for our team. Yeah. I, I mean, I would definitely agree. He's the most important. Um, but in terms of maybe just to be different, uh, I think. Man, Musa has impressed me so much, and just watching the way we play with him, I think he's up there. Maybe not the most important, but he, his stock is certainly increasing in terms of importance. So, you know, just a little zag for your zig. But no, absolutely, and um, I could
1: I could absolutely argue even McKinney too. I mean, when sure. Winston McKinney plays well for this U.S. men's national team, we are a different team. When he's able to find spaces in, uh, in the early parts of those final thirds and find spaces kind of 25 to, to 40 yards out from goal. And he's able to distribute, he's able to work off the ball. I mean, you could argue that, that without him, we look less dynamic in the front third. Um, we'd look less intimidating in the front third. Um, yeah. we just look like we're going to score less. And so yeah, there's sure. certainly an an argu- argument to be made with, every part of that MMA. And uh, and that's why I think it's so exciting to see them work together.
0: Definitely. Okay, well, that is that is the Mexico game. Real quick, let's just go over maybe what we expect to see for the Jamaica game, what we hope to see, maybe a little bit of prediction. We know a couple of things off the bat. We know because of West McKinney's yellow car accumulation, he won't be playing. We also know that because of Miles Robinson's red card at the end of Mexico game. Uh, he will also not be playing, and so there are two spots up for grabs at least. Greg Berhalter in his press conference today said that Stefan is already getting the start. He said Pulisic is not 90 minutes fit, uh, will likely come off the bench or start and play not the full game. Uh, Scally not starting, like we mentioned, may come in. And the center back spot is between Richards and McKinsey, the center back spot next to Zimmerman. And then any of Busio, Acosta, or Leggett could take the place for McKinney. So with that in mind, what would you like to see run out tomorrow against Jamaica?
1: I'd love to see uh, a Richards-Zimmerman back line. Uh, Really think that Zimmerman gives the experience uh, and the physicality and Richards offers, uh, right now at his age, something a little bit different. He offers a technicality. He offers an ability to play outside and play out from the back mm-hmm. in a way that uh, not many of our center backs can I think his passing is um, is, a, is going to be and is, is developing into uh, a world-class center back in terms of his ability to, to be consistent out of the back. Uh, in the midfield, I'd love to see Busioko 90. I know that's probably not going to happen. Um, what i what i would expect to see um i think is probably 45 minutes to 60 minutes of uh Legette or maybe even acosta depending on how he wants to structure that midfield i think we're gonna have much more of the ball yeah. um and i think he's expecting to possess the ball and so i expect lejet to get the start yep uh, in place of acosta and so i think you'll see musa uh adams and lejet in the middle there uh, and hopefully again i think you'll see him go 45 to 60 and barring uh, a change that Greg needs to make because of personnel, I hope. uh, And I think that you might see Busio for the last 30 to 45. So that's what I, that's what I would hope. Um, Again, I hope Scali gets a full 90. He's ready for it. Uh, I don't think we'll necessarily need Yedlin uh, in the experience in this sense. Um, You know, as, as, Tough as, as it is to play in ConcaCap, Jamaica is one of those places in Independence Park in Kingston that's uh, not as uh, intimidating as some of these other places. And, you know, you, you can't use scally and you can't use intimidation uh, to, to be a reason why Joe Scally's not playing. The, guy, the guy's played in some of the most intimidating stadiums in the world in Germany. Um, and he's done a fantastic job so far this year in the Bundesliga. But I think it's. It's possible that he plays McKenzie, but uh, man, I've just I've watched Mark McKenzie. I've looked at his uh, time at Gink, and he has just struggled to get playing time, uh, to get regular playing time. And I, I just don't rate him as highly uh, as I rate Richards, even though Richards is a little bit younger. So
0: agreed. Yeah, I, I would like to see a similar combination of Richards, Busio. Kind of like what you're saying, I don't think it'll be Bucio. It'll probably be, be legit just for the, the fact that, you know, we won't need another 6-8. slash eight. Legit more of an eight ten would make sense. Trying to break down Jamaica, assuming that they're probably going to sit in. You know, I would like to see more of Jesus Ferreira. I want Pepe to start, but I'd like to see some more Ferreira. I'd like to see, you know, Pulisic, but not too much Pulisic. Especially if we're <laughs> especially if we're up up in this game, this would be a time where you know, I'd concede taking Plusic off for health reasons. but but most of all, I just want to see our team come out. Maybe, you know, maybe it's unreasonable to think we match the intensity of the Mexico game. But I don't want to see a major drop off in intensity, you know, kind of that hangover of you know, celebration. We had a great game, but I don't want to see us, you know, take our foot off the gas, especially against a Jamaica team that, you know, this window we've, like we said, last podcast have reinforcements that are really, really strong. You know, Mikel Antonio is one of the top strikers in the premier league at the moment. And on any day he can, you know, body any center back and Leon Bailey also a premier league winger can take anybody on. So you know, I want to see us come out with uh, some real intensity, and not have this hangover lull off of the Mexico game.
1: Absolutely, and I think one of the things, the changes that you might see because of that uh, is Paul Areola sliding into that right wing spot. Uh, I think because because he has a huge motor, um, because I think he'll, you know, he may want to sit in you know, way up for for half the game. Uh, and give Ariola a run in because uh, he's been pretty. Uh, he, he's allowed a lot of guys to get good run ins uh, yeah. through these World Cup qualifiers, and so uh, I do not. I would not be surprised in any sense, and I think he actually probably will uh, start Paul Ariola, and uh, mainly because he saw what he did. Uh, hope you know should have should have gotten should have drawn a red card um, to the Jamaican center back last time uh, in our two two nil victory, but uh, he gave. Jamaica all kinds of fits early on um, in their in our last qualifier against them. so I would not be surprised if he goes forty five to sixty five um kind of in the in the same role that uh, um, uh, who was it left wing um, Aronson? Aronson played the other night, uh, going 60 strong. And it was it seemed like Greg was like, man, just go out and uh, just run your face off for 60 minutes and uh, tire some of that back line out. And I think that's what you'll see. That's the role that you'll see Paul Arriola play uh, yeah. in Kingston.
0: Yeah, no, that's a great shot. I think that is a very likely scenario. Man, that's all I've got uh do you have anything else that you want to add not too much man uh
1: i mean just so like i think yesterday uh i was just thinking about how good this team looked uh on friday night and how much it looked like there was a a gap in uh a competition and a gap in class between us in mexico in in a way that i had maybe never seen it probably never seen it um and to think about the youth Uh, in in our squad and think about how that's only going to grow I mean there's no reason that that should plateau anytime soon Um, not that there's going to be you know hard games but on a quality pitch that these guys are used to playing in Europe uh, you know you're you're going to see uh, some studs and you're going to see hopefully um, a game plan and a system that uh, plays to their advantage and so uh, on a lot of podcasts, we're talking about, you know, is is this uh, U.S. team the, um, you know, the Giants in CONCACAF? And uh, I'm ready to say that they are. I don't think there's any reason that you should say right. uh, anything otherwise uh, because of what we saw on, uh, yes, on a home pitch. But I think if you played that game on Friday night at a neutral site and the fans were half and half, um, I think it would be a lot of the same. Because I think uh, it's just an indicator of the quality uh, of some of these players and where they're playing and the fact that they just don't care. (laughs) They just are playing with such uh, a youthful naivety that uh, I don't think a lot of these guys on the U.S. men's national team in the early 2000s and, and early 2010s uh, played with. I mean, there there was a there was a burden when they would go on the road in Concacaf, and there was a fear of Mexico for sure. And this team doesn't have it now, and I don't think they will anytime soon.
0: Man, that's that's right on for sure. Yeah, and you know we've got listeners that might not follow the national team as closely as a lot of us do, or or really soccer in general. But you know, kind of just foreshadowing here. You know, I would recommend. Get in now, right? Like a nice... Jump Jump on now. Jump on the train now, like a nice stock in the stock market. It's only going to go up. And come next World Cup, you want to be on the train. There's no better time than now, Absolutely. especially after the Mexico win. So, man, thanks for joining us. Appreciate all that you had to say. Hopefully we'll have you on soon, man.
1: Hey, anytime. Glad to be here. Glad to,
0: to be with you, brother. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank you guys for listening. See you next time